Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from November 13th by Brother Todd Burgess, titled Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Matthew 5. We'll, this, sec, this next section of Scripture is from verses 27 to 32, which we'll be covering uh, today and the next two Sundays, the last two Sundays. And as you, as you, you have, we've seen, uh, when talking about anger, talking about murder, uh, that basically looked at the sanctity of life. And what we're going to look at t- today, these next couple Sundays, is the sanctity of the family. Two things that God established way back in Genesis when he, when he made man in his own image, Adam and Eve, and then he established the family. And you know what? Those two areas is where the world is attacking the word of God the absolute most. Because if they can get rid of devalue life, if they can sit there and, and destroy the family, then folks, they basically think they can do what they want. And so we need to understand and we need to hold to the truth of what God's word says about the sanctity of life. And as we're going to look at here's next three Sundays, the sanctity of the family that God has established. And so, again, we're looking at the attitude that affects our life, the attitudes that affects our marriage, it affects our, ma- our, our families. And so the question that we see here in this passage of Scripture is, who is an adulterer? Who is an adulterer? Now, I know everyone right now, you're probably thinking, well, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's that. Well, let's see what God's Word says. Let's see what Jesus himself says about this. Because he's going to answer that question here in, in, in these about six verses, seven verses that we have here. And so, so what Jesus is, is doing, he is continuing to strip away the self-righteousness and the legalism of the scribes and Pharisees by showing that their righteousness is not acceptable to God. Folks, we have to understand that our righteousness, our goodness, whatever it is, it's not acceptable to God. For any reason, the only goodness that he accepts is his goodness that he invites us to participate in. 1 John 2.16 says very clearly, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, it's of the world. And so God's divine evaluation takes place, and we have to understand this, when when he evaluates you and me, his, his, his evaluation takes place in the heart. He judges the source and the origin of sin, not just the external actions that, that people see. And so, that, and so that's very important. In Proverbs 23 and verse 7, it says this, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, folks, that's, that's a very important statement. As you think in your heart, so you are. And so the question, who is an adulterer? Jesus makes it very clear that those whose heart are not pure before God. Plain and simple. Those whose heart are not pure before God. And so in our, in our text here, in, in Matthew 5, verse 27, is that first verse we're looking at this morning. It says, 
Jesus says, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. And so what we're looking at here first is the deed, the actual act of adultery, okay? And so as early in Jesus' dealing with the sin of, of, of murder, we saw in verses 21 to 26, that came um, from the seventh commandment, what we're now looking at is the sixth commandment of the ten. And so we, we need to understand that. I'm sorry, I got those two reversed. The sixth commandment was the sanctity of life. The seventh is the sanctity of marriage. Don't commit adultery. See, those who rely on external righteousness, they're going to break both these commandments. One, because they're going to get angry and not, not seek forgiveness. That's sanctity of life. They're breaking that. And the other two, they're going to lust after folks. After, and, and, and when it talks about lust after a, a, man, a woman, folks, you can put both sexes in there, okay? So don't, don't think you, that it's just talking about guys here. Um, but that breaks the, the, the seventh commandment. See, when you're angry or hate, you commit murder. And when you lust sexually, they commit adultery. And so when you do either of those things, they choose, and this is important, they choose to despise God's law and God's name, basically they put themselves above the word of God. They say, well, what I'm doing is okay. That's just the way it was taught in, the old, in old times. It doesn't apply to us. Whereas Jesus says, you have heard it said of them of old. Folks, we, we, we can't rely upon what was in the past. We got to rely upon the truth of God's word. Okay? We got to rely upon the truth of God's word. Now, Although sexual temptation have been around since the fall of man, folks, in our day, it has brought an increase in those destructive influence that no society in history has ever had before, I believe. I mean, back, back, back in the old times, back when Jesus was written, I mean, you actually had to go someplace in order to, 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 to see these things, to do these things. Not anymore. 2 Timothy 3.13, it says this, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The days are getting worse. Our day is, is, of, of unbridled indulgence and sexual passion is clearly seen. You carry it with you in your, in, in, in your phone if you want. You, carry, you, you can see it everywhere. We let it into our homes, through television. All those kind of things that the world had never seen before. See, we have at our fingertips access to some of the most deplorable filth the world has ever seen. And so it's no wonder that marriage, sexual fidelity, and moral purity are scorned and ridiculed and laughed at nowadays. But we have to understand the Lord wants his people. He wants us to be in the world, just not of the world. And now this passage of scripture in John 17 15 to 18, it gives the key to this whole sermon over the next three weeks. It says, I pray not, this is Jesus' high priestly prayer. He says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest, and here's, a, here's a one phrase, keep them from the evil. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And here's the next phrase, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. And as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. 
You see, because we are children of God, because we are his church, we are believers in all that Christ has done for us and forgiven us of our sin. We belong to Christ and we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And we are not to abuse our temple in any way. And so those two statements that Jesus prayed about, keep them from the evil and sanctify them through your word, are spiritual keys to overcome sexual lust of any and every kind in a Christian's life. And we have to understand that. And we have to grab hold of that truth and live by that truth. You see, the solution to sexual purity is not external. Did you catch that? It's not external. Because the cause is not external. Job, way back, one of the, probably one of the oldest books we have in the Bible, he understood the truth. In Job 31, 9 through 12, it says, If mine heart have been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind unto another and let another bow down unto, unto her. For this is an heinous crime. Yea, it is an iniquity to be punished by the judges. Now look at verse 12. For it is a fire that consumeth to destruction and would root out all mine increase. See, Job understood about the lust that's there. It's internal. It's from the heart. And if you allow it to continue, it becomes a fire that will consume and destroy. And folks, literally take your wealth away. See, Job knew the physical infidelity is first of all the matter of the heart. And that lusting is just as sinful in God's eyes as the very act of adultery. Just like God saw that anger in God's eye, the sin of anger, is just as horrible to God as the act of actually murdering someone. And so that's the deed, okay? Do you understand the deed? Let's look at the desire, okay? Verse 28 of our text is the desire. It says, but I say unto you, that whosoever, in, 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 whosoever, man, woman, doesn't make a difference, whosoever looketh on a woman, and that could be a man, wherever that lust is coming from, to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Well, first of all, we understand it says, but I, that's Jesus. Jesus is putting himself above all the teaching of the scribes and fairies, all the traditions, all the all those things that they have incorporated into God's word that should not be there. Okay? And then he uses the word looks. And it refers to a continuous process of looking. A continuous process. And then he uses that word adultery. It refers to sexual relationships between a man and a woman who are not married. But it's also implying that the principle of sexual purity can be seen in a very wider sense than adultery. From the fact that both whosoever and a woman are comprehensive terms that apply to the unmarried as well. This, this, this includes all manners of infidelity, sexual infidelity. 
See, in this usage, the idea is not that of, of an incidental or involuntary glance, but of intentional and repeated gazing, one that's going to lust after. Otherwise, it indicates a goal or an action that will follow over time because of the repeated looking after. Otherwise, you're looking with a, with a desire to fulfill that lust. You see, Jesus is speaking of intentional looking with the purpose of lusting. They want to fulfill that desire. And so this person that is looking and desiring and lusting, they have an expectation and a desire of being sexually and sinfully fulfilled. I, want to, I, want, I need us to understand something, folks. As a guy, as, as, as ladies, as youth, looking lustfully does not cause a person to commit adultery in, their, in his thoughts. Because what does our text say? He already has committed adultery in his heart. See, the sin started a long time before the, lust, the, the, the looking took place. The sin was in the heart already. See, it's not lustful looking that causes the sin in the heart, folks. But the sin in the heart causes one to lustfully look at another. Now, we need to face that, we need to face that truth. You see, the heart is the soil where the seeds of sin are embedded and begin to grow. For example, look at King David. Okay? David was not at fault for seeing Bathsheba bathing. His sin was in dwelling on the site and in willfully succumbing to the temptation. He could have looked away and put the experience out of his mind. But he didn't. Why? Because he was already lusting in his heart. In fact, doesn't say this in Scripture, but knowing how sin takes place, he may have overheard, well, she goes up on a rooftop and bathes. Oh, really? Mm, let me get up there and take a look. I have no doubt that may very well have been what happened. You see... That's what's important. Too often we tell ourselves we can handle it. It's not really that bad. It won't affect us like it did so many other people. I'm different. I'm stronger. We tell ourselves these lies. Yet in Proverbs 6, 27 to 28, and this sounds a whole lot like what, what Job said in Job 31. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? Folks, the answer is no. You cannot. 
The real truth is that people have become callous to their sin and it no longer convicts them of wrongdoing. And and it's this tolerance of sin. It has taken us, taken place for for months and years in our lives and we've kind of justified it. Our own self-righteousness. See, that's the real issue. It's gotten to the point to where this sin is, is all around us. And we just don't care anymore because, well, I'm not doing what they're doing. You see? They feel everything's fine. Yet James says in James 1, 14 and 15, But every man or woman is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. You want to know what? Something about lust? Satan only tempts you or me in our weaknesses, in our wrong desires. Now, Satan can't read our minds. He doesn't have to. He just watches us. And I'm not talking about saying this is... I guarantee you not one of us has ever been tempted by Satan himself. Okay? His angels, his fallen, his demons, all they have to do is watch us. All they have to do is see what we watch on TV, see what we do on our phones. They read every text we, we get. They have it all. They know it. And say, oh, we can get this person here. This lust right there. When you're drawn away by your own lusts. See, your own lusts, they become the gates where where your life can be broken into. They become the gates. And so we've seen what we've looked at here, the, the deed and the desire but now Jesus is going to go and, and give us, and it seems kind of weird what he's, how he says this, okay? But he's going to give us how to be delivered from this. Now, remember that, that passage that, that I talked about that, that, that was so important in, in John 17, Jesus' priestly prayer? Well, we're going to get into that a little bit here. In our text, 5, uh, verse 29 and verse 30, it says, and if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it off from thee, for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast in hell. Now, Jesus is making a point here. The way to get rid of sinful lust, what gouge your eye out, right? No. Be a lot of blind people walking around. Okay? See, at first glance, this seems strange. Because think about this if the problem is in the heart, then what good is plucking out your right eye? All you're going to do is look at your, look through your left eye and see the same stuff. No change. Cutting off your right hand, well, you're just going to use the left hand to do it. Makes no difference. Because it's in the heart. It's in the heart. And so this is, this, this is figurative speech. 
You see, when it, the word there is offend. Back in verse 29. See, offend basically means to cause to fall or make us to stumble. And so Jesus is saying, whatever is causing you to fall, whatever is causing you to stumble, you got to cut that thing off. And those that get serious about sin in their life, Anything that morally or spiritually traps us, that causes us to fall into sin or to stay in sin, they should be eliminated quickly and totally. We must identify those things that cause us to fall or to stumble. And so when that sin happens, you look back, what lines did I cross? What lines did I cross along the way? Identify those lines and get rid of them. That's what is being talked about here. And this is what it goes back to, to, to Jesus' priestly prayer. In verse 15, keep them from the evil. Well, go back and look in your life. I did this sin. What led up to that sin? I guarantee it just wasn't, it just didn't happen. External sin just never happens. Internal sin takes place in the heart many years, months, whatever before. And go back and evaluate. And then that's just, that's just not good. Some, many times that's all people do. And then they wonder why the sin happens again. Well, I did. I, I set all these boundaries. I, I don't do all these things. I, I, you know, I have all these accountability partners, everything else, and yet I still succumb because they're only doing part of it. What does the other part of that verse say? In verse 17 of John 17, sanctify them through thy word. Folks, this is not a physical thing that we can do. It's a spiritual thing that the Holy Spirit of God must do in us. Amen or oh me. The Spirit of God must do this. Now, He requires us to take those actions and identify those things, but then we must go through and understand that God's Word is the truth that delivers us. God is the one that, must, that we have to turn to. You see, just as an adulterous heart plans to expose itself to lust-satisfying situations, the godly heart plans to avoid them whenever possible and to flee them if unavoidable. See, that's what David should have done. He, he could have walked and not, maybe not heard anything. He looked at and said, whoa, I don't need to be seeing that. And, and what should he have done? Hey, Uriah, you need to have your wife bathe someplace else. But he never did that. See, that's, that's avoiding. That's taking steps to where it doesn't happen again. But too often we don't do that, do we? Because nobody else knows about just me. See, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, 37 and 38, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. And quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word 
unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. See, we have actions we have to take, but those physical actions are not enough unless there's spiritual accountability and we're clinging to the word of God and what the Holy Spirit is teaching us. It won't be enough unless both those things take place. See, Paul exhorted Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lusts. But did he stop there? No, he goes on further. But follow righteousness. See, take actions when you, when you become exposed to things that are wrong, but then go back to the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit of God to give you that power and authority so those things won't plant seeds in your life. And so it says, follow righteousness. And what else is faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Again, like Job, we must make a covenant with our eyes and with every other part of our body, mind, and spirit to shun lust and pursue purity. You see, Jesus' message is that sin must be dealt with radically. Cut it off. Don't play with it. Look what Joseph did. When Potiphar's wife had advances, he, he purposed in his heart, I just won't be in the house alone. Whenever you know, she's there, I'll make sure somebody else is there. He, that's the first thing he did. But then, do, doing his job, there were times that happened, and, and he, had just, he ran out, left his coat and ran out. He fled. And what it caused him? Be thrown in, in, in jail. But his heart was pure before God. You see, Jesus' message is that sin must be dealt with. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, But I keep under my body, Paul is saying, and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, I, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. Folks, this is a daily occurrence in the life of a Christian. You have to daily put sin aside. Refuse to allow that lust to come in. And you do it by maintaining a right relationship with God the Father because of the Holy Spirit of God that is in us where we are praying and studying the Word of God and allowing Him and following after His ways. See, if we do not consciously and purposefully control what is around us, control what we, where we go, control what we do, control what we watch, what we read, the company that we keep, control the conversations of our life, then those things are going to control us. That's the truth. And yes, you will not be a popular person at work and at these places and maybe even sometimes in church. Amen. See, Job understood the truth of defeating sin. See, we read in Job 31, but let's go, let's go back to that very first verse of Job 31. 
verse 1. He said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? See, Job understood the eyes are the gate to the heart. There are some things we can't control. We just, oh, I didn't, don't want to see that. But we can. Oh, I don't want to see that. I'll keep looking. Nobody else will look at me. Okay, I'll keep looking. Now, see, there's the difference. Job knew that sin begins in the heart, and it comes through the gate of the eyes. You look at history. Whenever someone had a great victory over a city, and they, what did they do? Now, other than God, God tore the whole walls down to Jericho. But whenever an invader would come in and attack, where would they enter the city from? They would knock the gates down. The weakest point of the wall is the gates. That's where they would attack. And that's what Satan does. He attacks us through the gates. It's through our eyes that we let the lust in. Strongholds fall by breaking through the gates. Obviously, getting rid of harmful influence will not change a corrupt heart into a pure heart. Do you understand that? We can do all the right actions, but if we don't take care of the heart, they're going to keep coming back. See, outward acts cannot produce inner benefits. And just like the outward act of adultery reflects a heart that is already adulterous, I hope you've caught that, the outward act of forsaking whatever is harmful, did you catch it? Outwardly forsaking whatever is harmful reflects a heart that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Yes, you may have a lustful heart. And the way you overcome that lustful heart is by starting to put down, put away, reinforce that gate. But at the same time, by those outward acts, it's effective protection because it comes from a heart that is seeking to do God's to seeking to do God's will instead of, instead of our own. F familiar verse, John 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What do you do when you seek first the kingdom of God? Well, you're doing outward acts. You're putting away sin. You're, you're getting rid of all those things that lead you down the wrong way in your life. You're controlling your speech. You're controlling what you're seeing. You're controlling all those things. And when, if something comes up that you can't control, you flee from it. You turn your back on it and walk away from that conversation. What does that verse say? Matthew 6, 33, the last part. And then all these things shall be added to, into you. You mean it's not until we do all this physical acts and trying to separate to show that we don't want this? And then God says, now I've seen your heart. Now I will add all those things to you. That's where the Spirit of God comes in. 
and begins to change that heart. By giving you his love, his peace. That's everything we talked about on the, in the Beatitudes. It's everything talked about when Jesus says, take up the armor of God. The breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because you put that blessed breastplate on, but in order to put it on, you've got, you got to confess all these things that are wrong. See, outward actions are not enough, but those actions accompanied by the hidden or the hiding spiritual truths in your heart begins to allow God to fill your mind with his truth. What does Psalms 119.11 say? A verse we learned as children. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that what? I might not sin against God. See, too many believers, too many Christians today do not realize the trouble they are in because of the subtlety of their sin and its blinding effect on their minds. But here Jesus is teaching his disciples the truth of how Satan and sin operate. And that's so that they will have the necessary spiritual tools to overcome the armor of God. the spiritual attitudes of humbling ourselves before the Lord. But we have to understand that following the teachings of the scribes and Pharisees and so many today that it's all about external, external actions mean nothing. They can't deliver us from the tendency to sin and this is why Jesus so clearly reveals his purpose, and that is to teach believers to turn away from their own self-righteousness and to seek his. That's what's important, folks. That is what's important. And so if you have a lustful heart, just like if you had an angry heart, you need to give it to the Lord. You need to go through and identify those areas that cause and get rid of them. Stop them. Take control over them. And then turn to the Word of God. That way, as you're seeking Him, He now is able to add all these spiritual things to you. And is it going to be easy? Heavens, no. Living a Christian life is the hardest thing a person will ever do. But if you genuinely love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, He will enable you to overcome. He will. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, visit our website at gbcak.org.